Man, what a great way to start our time together. You can go ahead and have a seat, and I want to welcome you today. My name's Chris, one of the pastors here. If we have not met, uh, that's who I am, and, and I'd love to meet you. In fact, if I would encourage you that if I see you in the hallway, in the hallway or the lobby uh, and we haven't officially met, please come up and say hello to me and introduce yourself. And so I'm glad that you're here today. Welcome to those of you who are online at our Fort Lupton campus as well. Um, and it is so good to be here together. Uh, before we dive into our sermon for today, I just want to uh, recap for you a little bit of what happened in the life of our staff this week. We were able to get away for a couple of days uh, as a church staff up to the mountains, up to Quaker Ridge Camp. If you know Jason and Jessica Van Meter, they were at our Fort Lupton campus for a long time. They now live here at this camp and run this place. And as a staff, we were able to get away for a couple of days and just spend time together seeking God for what he has for our church in the next year and in the coming months. Uh, we spent time praying together. We spent time worshiping together and playing together. And it was a lot of fun. And, and it just dawned, it just kind of struck me. It, didn't, it wasn't new to me, but it just struck me uh, on this retreat how amazing our staff really is. Like you, you guys, if you don't know, like our staff at Crossroads Church, we have some incredibly talented and gifted people who work hard. Um, yeah, they're amazing folks. And so uh, I'm just so thankful to be a part of this staff and of this church. And, uh, and I just wanted to um, say that this morning. So uh, today we are wrapping up this series that we've been in for the last few weeks called When Life Gives You Lemons. This is a, a study that we've been doing through the short letter of Philippians. Uh, Philippians is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. And there's this theme that we've been talking about every week that happens through the course of this letter. And this theme is that no matter what comes our way, that we can have a joy, a true joy, not just a, a, a facade or, or a shallow joy, but a true joy that comes from the confidence of knowing that me and God are okay. You, you remember, this is Paul writing from a prison. He's writing to people who are being oppressed and persecuted on a daily basis because of their faith. And he tells them, hey, there's this joy that no matter what it is that you're facing, no matter what is going on in your world, that you can have this true joy because of the confidence that you and God are okay, that, that relationally there's nothing between you and nothing can change that. This is amazing news. And at the same time, for many of us, as we've heard this every week, you might be thinking, yeah, I get that. Like I can choose joy in hard situations, but let's be honest, I still have this underlying current of anxiety, right? Like, like life is just sort of so full of, of struggle and stress and worries and problems that there's this underlying current of anxiety that, that what we do is we take this joy that's available to us and we just sort of put it in this cocktail of, of life that's already a little crazy, that, that, there's, that there's anxiety that comes with our lemons, isn't there? And so as I was thinking about this idea, because this is what we're talking about this week, it's what Paul addresses here in Philippians chapter 4 is, is anxiety. And as I was thinking about this and preparing for this weekend and doing some reading and research, I came across uh, a voice that's one of the best voices on the subject. Uh, it, it's this guy that, that is so deep, so genuine, uh, so emotionally in touch 
and raw and vulnerable. He's, he's a brilliant theologian. He, he's a brilliant philosopher. And uh, he's, a, he's a humble guy. In fact, he's the kind of guy that whenever you talk to him or whenever you interact with him uh, or, or his, his writings, um, you just feel like he gets you. This guy's name, he goes by the, the name of Charlie Brown. And so I have a little picture up here of Charlie Brown and Linus. And Linus is concerned about his buddy Charlie. And he says, you look kind of depressed, Charlie Brown. And he said, I worry about school a lot. All right, any, anybody in school know what Charlie Brown's talking about? All right, yeah, I worry about school a lot. I also worry about my worrying so much about school. And then he says this brilliant line, my anxieties have anxieties. Can you relate to Charlie Brown today? <laughs> you see, lemons are one thing, right? Like lemons that come your way out of the blue, it, it, they're one thing. Like difficult news, difficult finances, difficult health issues, difficult relational issues, whatever that might be. Like those lemons are, are one thing. But, but then you, you tack on to that the anxiety that, that comes along with those lemons. And it just makes everything worse, doesn't it? Anxiety just makes everything worse. And now, not only am I dealing with these lemons that have come my way, but now I'm dealing with just this whirlwind of anxiety around it. And in fact, the frightening truth is that you and I, that we have the power to exponentially increase the lemons in our lives by how we respond to them. That you and I have the power to exponentially increase those lemons simply by how we respond to them. So that's what we're going to be talking about today is this idea of anxiety. And we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4. I'd love for you to turn there in your Bibles if you have them. We're going to start in verse 4. And Paul lays it out real clearly and real simply. And there's this beautiful invitation for us. But before we, we dive into the text, I want to just stop and pray. Because I know that right now in this room watching online, that there's, that m the majority of us right now, this very moment, are, have this underlying current of anxiety in our lives, don't we? Like there's so much stuff to think about. There's so much stuff chasing us down. There's so much stuff that's, that's robbing us of our joy. And before we dive into the text, I just want to pray together that, that God would simply help us today. So would you pray with me? Well, God, we thank you for another day. God, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your mercies that are new this morning. And God, we come to you today and we, we confess, God, that anxiety is, a, is an everyday part of our lives. God, there's so much on our minds. There's so much that's just churning up our souls. And God, we need help. We need relief. And so, Father, my prayer today is that as we look at your word, as we look at this topic, God, that you would illuminate for us areas of our lives that you want us to surrender to you. God, that you would illuminate for us those areas of our lives that are controlled by anxiety. And that in response, that you would replace that with your peace. So, God, we thank you for that. And we ask for your help today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In verse 4 of chapter 4, Paul starts off and he says these words. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, 
rejoice, all right? He repeats himself to make his point come across. And I just want to stop here for a moment. This is the fourth time that he's commanding the Philippians and commanding us to rejoice. It's not just a a suggestion like, hey, uh, rejoice if you'd like to, or rejoice in the good things. No, he says, rejoice in the Lord always, (laughs) always, like in any moment, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And then he goes on from there. He says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. And then here it is. The Lord is at hand or the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. So he uses these words like always, like rejoice in the Lord always. And then don't be anxious about anything. And right there, if we're taking him seriously, we're right there, we want to stop and say, okay, hold on, time out a second, Paul. Like, you know, there's some stuff in life that I should be anxious about, right? Like, there's some stuff in life that's that's serious, that's really on my mind, like important things that I have to figure out that, that, that there's, I can't just be carefree about this sort of stuff. But here, Paul commands us, do not be anxious about anything. So what does he mean by this? What does he mean? Well, I'm going to start by what he doesn't mean. What he doesn't mean is that we should just not care about anything. He's not saying just go through life and and sort of be, uh, and don't care about anything. Like no matter what comes your way, just sort of be this whimsical sort of, you know, person that that doesn't have any ties to people or or situations, you know, don't don't, don't have a care in the world. That's not what he's talking about. And in fact, two chapters earlier, he uses the same word, to be anxious in a positive way. In, in chapter 2, verse 20, he's talking about Timothy's concern or care for the Philippians. So there's, there's times to, be, to, to have care and concern for people. So he's not talking about that. He's also not talking about the, the psychological anxiety disorders that, that maybe we don't have control of. There, there's help and there's treatment and there's hope and support for those things. So what is he talking about? He's talking about the anxiety that you and I have often. He's talking about the everyday things that that, that come up right now. In fact, many of you are sitting in this place and and you have this underlying current of anxiety. It's the anxiety that that occupies your heart and mind. It's the anxiety that that keeps you up at night. It's, It's described as like this striving obsessiveness. Do you ever feel that? Like when a situation comes your way and you just automatically feel this need to like kind of buckle up and, and fortify yourself and, and just grit your teeth and just be obsessively striving or, or brooding about something. It's the anxiety where you're, where you're nervous. And one commentator I read uh, described it as that anxious, harassing care. Do you have anxiety today? Is there some things on your mind, some important things on your mind that, 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 that keep you up at night, that just kind of stir up your soul? Now, anxiety isn't equal to worry. You see, worry is an emotion. It's oftentimes connected, but, but worry is an emotion. And emotions are neutral, that at their core, emotions are neither good nor bad, but they're like signals pointing to something. Worry is not the same as anxiety, although that they're oftentimes used interchangeably. Here's what anxiety is. Anxiety is a response to unwelcome emotions. That's what anxiety is. It's a response to unwelcome emotions. 
Think of it as a threat response system. It's a, it's a defense mechanism. It's sort of like in Top Gun, you know, when there's a big dogfight going on in the air and, and there's a heat-seeking missile coming up behind the pilot. What does he do? He deploys his, like, flares, you know, to go out and, and distract the, the missile to somewhere else. And that's what, that's what anxiety is. It's a, it's a defense mechanism, a response to unwelcome emotions. Here's an example. Let's say that, that I'm a really angry person and my anger comes out in, in terrible, destructive ways. And I notice, I, I notice this about myself and, and when I start to feel angry as a response, I start to feel anxious. Why? Because I don't want to feel anger. Does that make sense? Another example is this, that, that uh, uh, maybe you, uh, if, if you lose your job, maybe you have, you're, you're in a place where you're afraid you're going to lose your job, and you think through it, and you think, man, if I lose my job, I'm going to feel like a total failure in life. And that feeling is so unwelcome to me that I'm now going to, to respond with anxiety. I'm going to respond with anxiety to try to control my job. Or when I get the bad news from the doctor, the test results that I didn't want, the fear that comes from the unknown about what tomorrow is going to bring as a result, I, I have anxiety around what my future holds because I don't like that feeling of fear. Does that make sense? You see, anxiety is a response to our unwelcome emotions. It's a defense mechanism. And you might hear that and go, but aren't defense mechanisms good? Like, isn't it good that there's something in me that's wanting to protect me from these icky, gross feelings? And I would say, yeah, but the problem is that it quickly becomes all-consuming and controlling, doesn't it? I mean, we know what that's like. We know what that's like when, when your anxiety is just controlling every thought, every emotion, every question, everything you're doing, that, that you're just, you just become controlled you see, anxiety starts off with physiological responses. Have you ever noticed that in your own self? Like, I know for me, when I, when I start to feel anxious, before I even realize I'm anxious, like I have this tightening in my chest or like this tightening in my gut. Sometimes you might feel tension in your shoulders or getting headaches or, or whatever that might be, just that heavy, nauseating, fearful, unwelcome tension. What does it feel like for you? I know for me, in some of my most anxious moments in life, I describe it as someone taking me and, and kind of splitting me open, taking a big old cactus and just shoving it inside and then zipping it back up. Can you relate? Like this anxiety that's just like this torture on the inside. But not only do we see it physiologically at the very beginning, but then as, as anxiety sticks around in us, it, it grows and it begins to affect other parts of our lives. It, it begins to affect our heart and our breathing and our blood sugar and our blood pressure. It weakens our immune systems. But not only that, but as anxiety continues, it starts to damage our relationships. It starts to damage our work. It robs our peace and our joy. And our anxiety starts to control us. And soon, just like good old Charlie Brown, our anxieties have anxieties. You see, here's the thing. Anxiety exponentially multiplies the lemons in your life. You know what I'm talking about? 
Like one thing that starts off as a problem, a relational issue, a job problem, a health issue, a financial issue, whatever that lemon might be, it comes into your life. And it's one thing when it's a lemon, but soon because of the anxiety that just like enslaves us, wraps us up in this big nasty blanket of anxiety. Soon, it's not just one lemon, but there's this truckload of lemons that's just sort of piling down on my life. Have you ever experienced that? Like it exponentially multiplies the lemons in our lives. In fact, what are you anxious about right now? If you were to, to, to th- let come to mind, like what, what comes to mind when, when you think about your anxieties right now? What, what is it that's, that's keeping you up? What is it, what is it that, that, that raises your blood pressure? What is it that makes you start to breathe a little shallow or have tension in your shoulders? What is that? And what if you were to go one level deeper? Can you name the unwelcome emotion that you're trying to defend yourself against? Is it embarrassment? Is it shame? Is it guilt? Is it fear? Is it a lack of control? Is it anger? Like, what is it that, that your anxiety is trying to desperately protect you from? You see, it seems like a good thing, but after t- over time, it, it just wraps us up. So Paul here commands us. Again, it's not a suggestion. He commands us, don't be anxious about everything, but instead, verse 6, instead, in everything, in how many things? In everything, by prayer and supplication, which is just a fancy word of of asking or or presenting your request, begging God. In everything, by prayer and in supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And I love how he puts in there this idea of thanksgiving, which we often just kind of reserve for like Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, you know, like November coming up soon. But man, have you ever thought about how therapeutic gratitude is for your soul? I mean, try that. In fact, if you're in a, in a stressful situation right now, if you're in a season of just anxiety, try to be grateful. And sometimes we need to sit down with a pencil and paper, like in the olden days, and write out a list of things that you are grateful for. All right, and keep that list so that when life is giving you lemons, you can pull this list out. Because what happens to our brains and our hearts when we are actively being grateful is that no longer do I have the energy to deploy the, the defense mechanism of my anxiety. No longer do, do I have the, the, the capacity to be anxious about stuff when I'm choosing to be grateful for things. So Paul gives us this, this understanding. He says, instead of being anxious... In fact, don't do it. Don't be anxious about that relationship. Don't be anxious about that job problem. Don't be anxious about your health. Instead, in everything, bring your requests to God. Be grateful. This is, this is something that really flies over our heads. In fact, some of us, I want to stop here for a moment because some of us hear this in the wrong light. Because some of you today might think, okay, I have anxiety. I went to church. The, the preacher told me I just need to pray more. And that didn't help me at all. So I'm never going back again. Here's the thing. Don't hear this as just another religious rule that you got to do. This isn't just something God is waiting for you to do to like appease him or, or to get your act together. 
It's not that at all. In fact, what he's doing is he's inviting you to bring to him anything that's on your mind. And like, let that sink in for a moment. Like, let that blow your mind for, for a moment that the God of all creation, the most powerful being in the universe, the one that, that, that nobody is over, he, he, he doesn't consult anybody else for wisdom or anything like that, that he says, I want you, I want you to come to me with anything that's on your mind. <laughs> Big or small, complicated or simple, urgent and not urgent, bring it to me. Bring it to me. Like, what an amazing invitation. That's nowhere else in the world. Like, who does that <laughs> and means it? Like, who does that? But, friends, our God says, look, instead of being anxious, bring your requests to me, whatever they are. And then here's the promise in verse 7. When we do, the peace of God which surpasses your understanding, which I think is Paul's way of saying, you're not smart enough to understand it, <laughs> but it's just so out of this world that we can't understand it. He says, when we do these things, instead of being anxious, we present our request to God, we're grateful about life, we're grateful about everything that we can be grateful about, and when we do those things, the peace of God, which surpasses your understanding, will stand guard around your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, if we were honest, we would love for this verse to say, when you're grateful and when you bring your request to God, God will snap his fingers and may wave his little magic wand and all of your problems will just disappear. I mean, let's be honest, we'd love for that to happen, wouldn't we? In fact, this is a huge hang-up for some people. Maybe this is your hang-up. I've been praying about this situation for years and God hasn't made it better. Like I've been there, done that. I'm done trying out Christianity. I'm done trying out this Jesus thing. But here's the thing is he doesn't promise that. He doesn't promise that. What he does promise is that his peace will guard your hearts and minds. There, there's nothing better than that promise. So what does this mean? What does the peace of God mean? I found this quote in a commentary that I was reading. And it's a little wordy and it's a little heady, but I think it's really important. So I want to read this for you. It's going to be on the screen. He says this, the peace of God, what is it? Paul is not referring to the peace with God that the Philippians and us have as a result of being justified by faith in Jesus Christ. We do have that, but that's not what he's talking about here. That peace is presupposed, he says. Nor is he exclusively referring to that inward peace of soul, which comes from God and is grounded in God's presence and promise. Although it's included, but that's not what he's talking about here. Paul seems to be referring to the tranquility of God's own eternal being. Get this. The peace that God himself has the calm serenity that characterizes God's very nature and that grateful, trusting Christians are welcome to share. Did you know that God himself is always eternally at peace? Like he's never been anxious about anything. He's never been worried about tomorrow. 
He's never been fearful. He's never wondered what's going to happen. What should I do? He's never had that inner turmoil, that, that inner anguish about, oh my gosh, I, I can't figure out what, what I'm supposed to do about this. He's never obsessively strived for anything ever. And the best way that I can explain this is, is like when you, you know, when you're around a person who's really happy and that kind of wears off on you. Also, you know, when you're around a person that's really kind of angry and that kind of wears off on you. Like that's not quite a, a good explanation of this, but that's kind of what it is, is that when we bring our requests to God, when we, instead of being uh, anxious, we choose to be grateful and we present our requests to God that because God is near, that his peace begins to stand guard around our hearts and minds. His very peace, God himself. <laughs> what better promise is there than that? You see, the lemons, they don't vanish, but they no longer control you. The anxieties no longer control you. And here's the thing is there's a lot of things in this world that promise this kind of peace. I mean, you look at any marketing, uh, marketing campaign that's on TV or on YouTube or whatever, like everything around us is promising us something like buy this new iPhone and your life will be full of peace. It's going to be so easy now. Go on this vacation and you will just have this tranquil, amazing time, right? Buy this new car and you will automatically have adventures in the woods. I mean, like all this stuff is promising to us, but, but here's the thing. Nobody and nothing can promise this kind of peace and deliver this kind of peace except Jesus Christ. That's it. That's where it's at. Your heart is looking for peace in this crazy world amongst the lemons and amongst the anxieties, and there's one place you can find it. Do you want that peace? For some of us listening today, maybe you're at a place where you've never placed your faith in Christ. And I just want to encourage you that the invitation's open. The invitation's there. And it's not only to forgive you of your sins. It's also to give you this amazing kind of peace that you have never experienced before. And you can never experience anywhere else. And the peace of God, which surpasses our knowledge, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He continues in verse 8. He says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about those things. Like when you're in the, the heat of anxiety, doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> like wouldn't you give anything to trade your swirling and twirling mind when you're in the middle of an anxious season for this? Man, this is an amazing invitation that, look, we don't have to allow our minds to be swept away by the crazy anxieties of this world, but we can now literally change our minds and dwell on other things, things that bring about peace and hope and reassurance and encouragement and joy. Like, we can literally change our perspective to a new perspective. Isn't that an amazing promise? As we get ready to wrap this up, and then we're going to spend some time singing together, I just want to close this time a little bit differently. Before we take communion together, 
What I want to do is, you know, sometimes in life, you don't know how to pray. You ever feel that? Like he says, present your request to God. And you're like, yeah, but God, I don't even have the words to explain. Like this mess I'm in is so tangled and confused and upside down. I don't even know what to pray. There's this verse in 1 Peter 5, 7, and I love the image that it gives. It says this, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. You see, every week when we close our service, we, we speak a blessing over you. And what do we ask you to do? We ask you to raise your hands, right? You see, this is a, a posture of receiving, but it's also a posture of, of giving. And when I think about this verse of cast all your cares on God, for he cares about you. I think of a, a little kid who's, break, who, who, who's playing with this toy and it breaks and he just comes over to dad and he, he just holds it up, right? And a good dad doesn't say, I can't believe you broke your toy. When are you going to get this together? When are you going to stop messing up? When are you going to stop breaking your stuff? No, what does a good father do? Takes the toy, pulls the little kid up on his lap and says, let's see what we got here. Let's work on this together. So what I want to do as we get ready to close is I just want to practice this. Is I want you to bring to mind whatever you're anxious about. Even if you can't put words to it, that's okay. Just imagine what that is. And in just a moment, we're just going to spend a few quiet moments like this holding our anxieties before God, giving our cares, the people, the situations, whatever it might be. We're just going to give our cares to God. So would you close your eyes and hold your hands up like this as we give our cares to the Lord? Father, we give you everyone and everything that's on our minds. God, we give you everyone and everything that we're anxious about. We give it to you. And in turn, God, we receive your peace. We receive the peace of God that doesn't make any sense. We can't wrap our minds around it, but it's there and we thank you for it. Lord, would you help us to get into this rhythm every day, every moment of just simply giving our cares to you over and over and over again. God, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you that you are our good father who's not here to condemn or to point the finger, 
but who's here to restore and heal. Help us, Father. And it's in your good name we pray these things. Amen. If today you are at a place where you are wanting to put your faith in Jesus for the first time, then we celebrate that. We would love to have a conversation with you. So simply text the name Jesus to the number on the screen and we'll have that conversation with you. We'll answer questions you might have. We'll talk with you about it. We'll pray with you. We'll rejoice and celebrate with you. All right? Every weekend we spend time remembering Christ's sacrifice with the bread and the cup. It was on that night when Jesus was with his disciples, right before he was arrested and crucified, that he took the bread and the cup and he said, whenever you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, remember my body given for you. Remember my blood poured out for you. The peace of God right here. Let's remember together. in the cup. We're going to spend some time singing together and responding to our good God. If you would like prayer, if you would like someone to present your request to God with you, just like Paul's saying here, we have people who would love to do that over here under the prayer banner online. You can click the button. We'd love to pray with you, all right? Let's stand together as we sing.